Welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with created content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isoe, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good everything, wherever you are on the surface of the earth at this very instant. Yes, we're back. Did we ever leave? You know how we say it on the show. This is where we come to lean on one another's experience to forge a positive path. I call this my sixth space. Welcome, yes, to the World Cafe Live Show. How are you? What is it like with you at your end? Well, yes, the earth is amazing this period we are in this unique moment of existence there's so many things are happening in i mean just like that before you before you say jack robinson as we say it and things begin to just all of that well we're here again yes to 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 gist to talk to you know lean on one another i have a special guest in the house today yes I know for a while you've not seen one or two people on the show, but I have a guest in the house today. Her name is Mercy. Mercy Ohiariaku. I hope I got it correctly. When she comes up, she's going to say something and all of that. Mercy, she's, how do I describe her? She's, she's this bundle of energy, you know. She's full of joy. She's, don't worry, when she comes up, you see her. She's boisterous, most, you know, more or less. And uh, she's a military wife. She's a coach. She's a speaker. What else again? She's so many things in one person. Well, enough of my, you know, all of that. I'm going to bring her on so that we'll see her and we're going to pick it up from there. Where is she? Where is she? And there she is. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Hello, Coach Amatri. Thank you so much for having me on. And did I butcher your name? Is no, it's okay. It's okay. But it's pronounced yes. Amak, Amakri. 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 Okay. A lot of people, a couple of people see the Amakri. Yes. Yes. A couple of people see the name and they they, they, they pronounce the CH like tree. But as I know, it's Cree. Uh-huh. You know, it's actually, when, when you go into the etymology of my name, it has a lot. But uh, I'm not the one on that hot seat today. It's Mercy. <laughs> Mercy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversations today. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's get to meet this wonderful Mercy. I I know I didn't pronounce your surname properly. I I, I want you to say it so that we're going to pick it up from there. I was laughing too because I probably won't say it properly either. Um, It's Oheriak. My husband always gives me flag for not knowing how to pronounce his his last name <laughs> and now my last name it is an evil last name um i grew up a yoruba person and i tend to put that yoruba accent on everything mm-hmm. so <laughs> but oheriak is how i mm. pronounce it <laughs> but it's okay it's it, it's a i think yeah. that's the right for oheriak let me bring yeah. a little bit of the 
the, 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 the evil theme from this side. Good to, good, to see, good to see you here on the show. So who is this Mercy? Let's get to meet her. Who is she? Who is she? If somebody bumps into you like that, who is Mercy? Who is Mercy? Let's get to it, Mercy. Mercy is just mercy. <laughs> I am a unique individual <laughs> <laughs> who has just been shaped and fashioned in all kind of gloriousness. I tell people I am a rolling stone currently gathering moss wherever I am. <laughs> and the thing about mm. rolling stones is that we have a certain polish to us. I was born for mm-hmm. transitions. My whole entire life has been a series of transitions one way or another. And I think we all go through life transitions, but it's just, um, it's one of the critical markers of my life. And it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why my experience and the uh, things I've been involved in in life is so diverse because I've had to um, be resilient and adapt to wherever life, you know, puts me and where I find myself. So a rolling stone currently gathering moss in jacksonville florida <laughs> wow you know you know we, we we know rolling stones not to gather moss but you are gathering amazing and, and now when you talk about transition when you say transition you're talking about change here the meaning of the word transition comes up in any conversation what comes up to our, i mean our mind our consciousness is change so more or less mercy is a ball of should i say changes and she's always like navigating her, her way through these changes effortlessly. And uh, that is one aspect that, you know, caught my attention about your personality and bringing you here on the show. Now, where are we going to start about this, your transitions and your changes? Where do we start from? Maybe I look at it from you're a military wife. So let us begin from that point. How did you get to that point? <laughs> In the beginning was the word, and it was mercy. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know that shameless plug for your in the beginning video that was really amazing. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, military spouse. I met my husband in church. Uh, we attended the same redeemed church in Virginia. A lot of okay. people often think we met in the military because I am prior service as well. I was Mm -hmm. still in the service when we met, but we actually met in church. And my story of how I joined the military um, goes back to high school. I completed my high school in the United States. Uh, My family migrated to the States um, a long time ago. (laughs) I was a teenager at the time Mm -hmm. and uh, completed high school here. In my senior year of high school, we had uh, those recruiters, they would come to... um, kind of the middle class, lower economic status schools and pitch the opportunity to join the military as a way, you know, to better your life okay. and, you know, kind of get out of that environment. Mm-hmm. And they came to our school and mm-hmm. made an offer to sign up to take a particular test called the ASVAB test. It's a battery exam for the armed forces services. And the goal of that test is to try to say, you know, what kind of job you would get and things like that. And in exchange for that, you would get a day off from school. And I was like, okay, I'll take the test just to get the day off from school. (laughs) I had no intentions of joining Mm. the military. (laughs) And then um, I signed up for the test. I took Mm -hmm. the test and I I had the highest score in the school. And then the recruiter started 
every lunch, they would come at lunch and be like, join this, join that. You know, the army recruiter would try to get me, join this, join that. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not interested in military. I just wanted the day off. I got the day off. And I had this mm-hmm. one recruiter. She was a Filipino lady. And so she would talk to me mm-hmm. about her Filipino experience, you know, that third world country type of experience, you know, that was similar to my Nigerian experience of growing up. And she had a little bit of a connection with me. So during lunch, I would stop by her desk and, you know, chat it up with her and then go to lunch. And as it were, one day we had that conversation and then I went to sit down at lunch and one of my friends at the table goes, I don't know why she's wasting her time trying to convince you to join the military because you could never make it through boot camp. And <laughs> and if you know my personality, <laughs> that was not even and enough like that, 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 to move me. That no, you. but it was the trigger that I needed in that moment, even though I'm someone who usually is internally driven. I am not very competitive at all. But when she said that, it struck a chord in me. And I was mm. like, what do you mean I can't make it through boot camp? And I understood where she was coming from. I was like this tiny little thing. And um, I thought I was going to be the world's first shortest supermodel. Like that just was the space I was in at the time. And so that's where she was coming from. She didn't really mean it as I couldn't survive it, but I internalized it that way. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to join the military and I'm going to make it through boot camp. <laughs> and that's how my journey to joining the military started. I mm. was um I graduated high school at 17 and so I needed my parents to to sign for me to join because I was still considered underage. Right. And okay. the recruiter yeah, and the recruiter who is a Filipino lady came to my house it's jollof with my mom and, mm. <laughs> and you know in being relatable with this immigrant experience was able to convince my mom who at the time was going through a divorce from my dad um to have her first daughter her 17 year old daughter join the military <laughs> the army is, is mm. of all of all branches mm-hmm. and so she signed the papers and I couldn't go to boot camp until after I graduated, um, which was later on in the summer. So she was seeing me every day. I would attend um, drills once a month. It was the Army Reserves. And in her mind, she just felt like that was the military (laughs) until I had to leave for boot camp (laughs) in the summer. And she was like, oh, no, you can't go. You're going back to Nigeria. (laughs) And everyone around us, (laughs) <laughs> was also like, oh no, why would you send your daughter to boot camp? They're doing all of this to them and you know, all of that. And I'm like, oh no, I'm going. This is even making it mm. more real for me that I needed to go. So and that's how I joined the the army. Oh. Uh so what yeah. so what was it like? The journey and all of that, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was not as difficult as everyone kind of made it to be but it's i think some of that was because of my background um growing up in nigeria experiencing you know a level of difficulty and hardship i think that prepared me for that uh boot camp was 13 weeks long you got up at four o'clock you went for all this long you know marches and all of the trainings and all of that but it wasn't something that 
was super crushing. I had the nickname of Private Kool-Aid because I was always smiling. <laughs> I think in my mind, I knew it was a mind game to try to get you to break down. And I just wasn't going to let, you know, that happen mm. from, you know, to me. And I'm like, it's just 13 weeks. There is an end in sight. I just have to endure this for 13 weeks. Okay, that's fine. And that helped a lot in kind of reorienting, you know, what this experience was about. Um, it was very intense physically, but... and okay. So you, 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 you spent practically 13 weeks away from home, from your mom. Yeah. I did. And then after that... Okay, now I... I... Go on, go on. Sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to add that after the 13 weeks initial training, I had to go for another training, an advanced initial training to learn what my job would be. And that was another eight weeks. So what was your job? What what, what was it like? What did you do in the military? Yeah, my... Military stories, two parts. When I say I was born for transitions, I really was. Um, this is the first part of the story, which was with the Army, um, the Army Reserves. And my job there was a carpenter and a bricklayer with the Army. <laughs> Whoa. Um, yes. Oh. When, <laughs> I mean, when I took the <laughs> Listen, when I took the test, um, I scored really high. And the recruiter told me I would be... Uh, a nuclear engineer she says oh it's a hot fill a hot billet and we're looking for people to fill it but we can't get people to score mm. high enough on the battery test to be nuclear engineers so i'm going to get you in as a nuclear engineer and that was in alignment with kind of where i wanted to go in the future so i was like okay sure and we started the process and I wasn't a U.S. citizen then, and she thought she could give me a waiver to access top security clearances <laughs> in the United States, and mm. she couldn't get me a waiver. And then she says, okay, no worries. I can't get you a waiver for that, but I have another job as an engineer, and you would get a sign-on bonus, and the school is not too long to where you would be back in time to start your first semester of college, and you would only miss a semester of college. And so I didn't ask what type of engineering that would be. And it was civil engineering <laughs> and it was carpenter mm. and bricklayer. <laughs> so how how did you manage that? Civil engineering. So how did you manage that? Um that was probably tougher than boot camp. I still have calluses in my hand from cement work and from splinters from picking up wood. And I think I think there's a movie, I think it's like Clueless or Legally Blonde. And I had one of those moments when the my um, my instructor told me to stop using lotion on my hands because they were too soft. And I'm like, what do you mean stop using lotion on your hands? Like, <laughs> these two things is not computing for who I am and my personality. But um, ultimately, I mean, one of once again, you know, rolling with the changes and being adaptive um, in whatever environment you find yourself. Um, I've always had that strong sense of resilience and that strong sense of being adaptable. Once again, as I said, my life has been full of transitions and transitional mm -hmm. moments. And they weren't little transitional moments. Mm -hmm. They were like move from Nigeria to America. Even in Nigeria, the whole time we were there, we lived on the mainland. We lived on the island. We were always moving for some weird reason. 
my family was just always in transition. So this was just another thing that I needed to overcome. And I told myself, okay, not only am I going to do it, I'm going to do it good. But then as soon as I get a chance, I'm quitting, not quitting because then I can't quit. I signed a contract, but I'm going to transition to another job or another position. And so mm. I made it through the training. I went back to my unit. I did a couple of exercises. I was yeah. part of the um, team that went to build this bridge to nowhere in Alaska as mm. part of my exercises. So I, I've just always had that outlook in life. Younger days, I didn't have a word for it. Back then, I didn't have the vocabulary or the self-awareness to really understand, you know, the things that were happening in the moment and how they were shaping my story or my life. But I just mm. always had a sense of, I can do this. And I can do this. I can do this well. And it needs to get done. And so I'm going to get it done. And that's what that was Beautiful. for me. Now, I see you have this outlook to life, like uh, bring it on kind of outlook, even no matter how mercy it is, because you're, you're, you're not mercy, you are mercy, if you understand what I mean by that, as in no matter what it is like. So you have this outlook. Now, can you, from your spectrum, from your perspective, share with my audience what it is like when things come at you, like life throws all these curveballs and what how do you respond to it how or how should you respond to it from your perspective yeah um you start with your core um and that i i didn't grow up a christian but faith has given me a lot of i will say structure to who i am and better understanding how God created me. There, we've all been equipped with things about our personality that are necessary for us to adapt in whatever situation or whatever environments we find ourselves oh. in. Um, I always say that inherent within every strength is a weakness. And so don't over lean on your strength understanding that sometimes your strength can be a weakness you know i am a very adaptable person but i have to be careful not to be laser fair and not to acquiesce when i need to push in there are times when i need to push and say i'm not giving up on this and there are times when i have to say you know what roll with the punches move on to the next thing it's understanding the moments that requires us to roll with the punches or move on to the next thing. And that require a level of self-awareness. It requires you understanding your core of who you are. And so there was something that I had that I didn't have the vocabulary to describe what it was. And I, re- I came up on this book ab- about um, Marcus Aurelius and it's this idea of stoicism. And the core of that um, principle is that you control what is only in your realm to control. And he makes this illustration about every event having two handles or two levers, as it were. One of the levers you can control and one of the levers is out of your control. And it makes an example about um, a brother who offends you. And he's like, in that situation, 
the lever you can't control is the offense. One, because it is gone. Two, because it is in the realm of your brother. The lever you can control is how you respond to that event. When we were in Nigeria, my mother, she's a very industrious woman. She um she was a teacher in Nigeria, but over the summer she would just find herself in so many different trades. One of the summers she went to learn um she went to fashion designing school. Another summer she went to like a cosmetology school in Nigeria. And one of the summers she decided she was going to get mm. into trade and she would travel to Aba to go and mm. buy shoe and bag and then go sell it in trade fair and Aswani and stuff and that was her. And I was about 10 or 11 and my younger sister was about 3 years old and she would go in the morning and return later in the day. And we would be outside playing all day she'd leave instructions on things to do and all of that and i'd be playing with the neighbors and then of course it'd get late and everyone would go to their you know different apartment or whatever and our apartment was on the second floor and it overlooked like a hill and an okada you know we'd have to ride okada to get into um our area of town and the okada would take would bring people down and they would get off on the top of that mm-hmm. hill and i could see from my balcony who was getting off and so after everyone's gone because while i'm busy i'm not thinking about my mother is not home and then after everyone's gone to you know their different homes and going to have dinners it would dawn on me that oh my mom's still not back and it's starting to get dark and so i would sit on that balcony and start looking out for every okada that comes is that my mom eventually the sun would go down eventually would get dark and i can't see who's getting up on the okada and so the light would come on you know and i'm like is that her is that not her i wait a few minutes she doesn't come and somewhere in there in my mind i would play this scenario about what if my mom doesn't come back home like my mom and i never had a conversation about if i don't come back home you know do x y and z right in her mind she just knew mm-hmm. she would always back home. And but I would sit there and I'll say what if my mom doesn't come back home? I'll say well, I know where she keeps her money. And so we would go to bed, we would wake up in the morning, I would take the money, I would get my sister on a bus and we would go to my grandmother in Shogunle and then we would be okay. And the moment I went through that process of things I could control, I would just forget about sitting on the balcony. Mm. and i would just go on inside and get my sister ready for bed and just continue to do things and lo and behold she would come i had no language for that i didn't understand what i was doing i didn't understand the impact of going through that exercise it's the same way in life we have two levers to deal with whatever situation comes our way the levers of what we can control and the levers of what we can the most important thing is that we're choosing the right levers and when we choose the right levers then we're able to see a way out we're able to have a vision and we're able to have clarity to stay focused on what needs to happen in this moment you know you were talking about levers what you can control what you cannot control the minute mm-hmm. you have an understanding of what you can control then you more or less you are in control even if you know that the other bit of it i'm not in control just knowing that i am not in control control gives me a level of control you know because i know what i'm i have control over and the, the, the truth is a lot of us don't see life this way we just look at it and it's like 
uh, we, we we frown. It's like why me kind of thing, and we we just have like we want everybody to pity us, you know, and all of that. You try to look for, you, you know, that party that will pity you and all of that. But from what you're saying, it's like no, get a hold of yourself. Those things you can control, hold. Those things you cannot control, excuse me, you know that you cannot control them now. So that gives you a level of, uh, should I say, knowing that gives puts you in control. Now, there's this thing about timing with you, and it's like you know when it's time to do something, and you know when it's not time to do something. I know listening to you in one of our conversations uh, as a family. Now, you, 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 you. You, you took something on time and that blew my mind and, and, and I want you to share with my audience how do I how did I how did I frame that question I know I sent it to you and I want to frame it correctly should is life transmitted via time or time reveals life how should I approach it how should I embrace it yeah um, life and it is both it is you know, life is both transmitted via time and also revealed um, through time. And mm-hmm. when I say life, when we say life, in my mind, life is like chunking of experiences, you know, in the time dimension. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. life is, is all of our experiences in different time dimension is what make up our life. And so the experience themsel- themselves are transmitted, you know, via time. You know, the scripture even tells us that time and chance happens to them all, right? Mm-hmm. So in time, we have opportunity to experience things and and um, experiences that are available to us in time. Mm-hmm. Time transmits yeah. that to us. There are certain experiences that I cannot have um, you know, as a five-year-old that I'm having now because time, just natural timing has passed. But then the revealing part of time is really a retrospective action. Time reveals in retrospect. Time reveals when we're able to now go back or look back and reflect and say, oh, that's what was happening in time. The glimpse that we get now in the Mm. current, you know, experience is always limited because we do not have the view of everything tied together. And there is another aspect of time that is prospective. And that's where we say vision, right? Where some things are afforded for future time, but it is necessary that we make decisions that are congruent with what is appointed for future time. And that's that dimension where we have to press in to understand what is for the future and how Mm. do I implement it and start making decisions today that lays the foundation for that future. So it it reveals retrospectively and also prospectively, but Mm -hmm. it is both transmitted, you know, life is both transmitted via time and revealed also through time. So that's how I, 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 I look at that um, through my life experiences and and uh, the things I understand about life. Yeah. L- looking at the definition you just gave now, you introspecting or retrospecting, I beg your pardon, and prospecting, like backwards and forwards. You mm-hmm. know, a, a good number of us don't, don't see it that way. We, we don't see it that way. You know, I was... I, I was... Uh, 
I saw a movie lately about Jeff Bezos, as in mm. how he got into his business and all of that, and he 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 went through it, following what you just said now, but he put it on what he called the regret management framework. Mm. Yes, like mentally projecting into the future. If I don't take this decision, when I turn eighty, and I look back, retrospect now, what mm-hmm. will I say to myself? Mm-hmm. What I, what will I really say to myself? But if I take this step, if I do this, you know, and like prospecting into the future, yes, I, I make a little mistake here, let me make a little another mistake there, but ultimately, I come to see that. Everything is tying up together because I took the step, taking the advantage of the time available to me. That's what I hear from what you have said, and uh, I think it's one is one thing that we should I say in this generation, our generation or the generation coming, I mean behind us as it were, need to embrace and see. You know, it's an amazing perspective, I must say. Thank you. Thank you for this. Now, you are the military. I really want you to say something about the military uh, mm-hmm. like minds and you talk to them. What is it all about? Yeah. Um, being a military spouse is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> 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 and I don't say that. I mean, it's funny, but it's almost cliche and I'm not really saying it in a cliche way. It is really true. Mm. Once again, when I look at my personal journey, my personal story, and one of the reasons I'm very passionate about um, mentoring military spouses and, and really passionate about their space, I have the, the benefit of having served. I have the benefit of mm-hmm. having been on the other side. And now I am a spouse to someone who is serving. And so I have a little bit better, clearer understanding of just some of the processes, the culture of the military and all of that. So I didn't have that um, kind of barrier or that challenge that I needed to overcome. It was still different from what I experienced Mm because I was a carpenter and a bricklayer. Then I was um, I transitioned to the Navy as a military nurse. And then I worked out of the hospital. And that was almost like civilian life. Um, I had never been I have never been stationed on a on a ship. I did go on Mm -hmm. two deployments to Iraq and I worked out of a military fleet hospital. Um, But I never I've never been on a ship. My husband is an engineer in the military and he's very ship bound. So <laughs> I visited a ship. I did exercise on a ship, but I've never like gone on a deployment on a ship. So there were aspects that were still new to me. Um, the, the most difficult aspect of, at least from a woman perspective, for me, of being a military spouse have been something I recently kind of termed being a single wife. <laughs> um, mm. It's one thing to mm. be a single mother and know that your your children are solely dependent on you and you're the ultimate sole responsible person for everything that happens in your household. You're the head of your household. Being a military spouse and having your husband gone for nine months, like my husband went um, a year ago, 
and knowing that I am not the head of the household, but at the same time, I'm having to fulfill all of the responsibilities of the head of the household and having to transition when he comes back to knowing, okay, now that is back home and helping the kids to transition. That's one of the hardest and the most difficult aspect of being a military spouse. Once again, that adjusting to the fact that he's gone and then readjusting to the fact that he's back, managing expectations that when he comes back, life still continues um, Mm. and understanding what will change, right? Um, I know the last year he deployed, my, my children are 13 and 9, so they're getting more into that age where they're aware. We're blessed that most of his career happened before we had children and then they were younger and they were able to manage some of that. This last deployment, I sat them down and said, yes, that's going to be back home, but some things still won't change. Like, oh, we just kind of got into this mindset of, yay, daddy's coming back home. Everything's going to be so much better. And I had to caution myself <laughs> to manage expectations because when everything is not so much better <laughs> and some things still don't change, like, son, you're still going to have to take the trash out every day. I'm still going to mm-hmm. have to drop you off and pick you up from school because even though that's wow. bad, right, some things are still not going to change. And and that's really um, important to manage expectations because it's easy to assume that because he'll be back everything is going to change and then when everything doesn't changes or you still find yourself still continue to carry certain things then there may be that mm-hmm. frustration another aspect mm-hmm. of being a military spouse especially when um they're deployed is something i call information management and i always tell okay. my military spouses um i remember being on deployment and calling home to my mom and while I was on the phone with mm. her, I did not know that she heard a siren alert going off in the background. There was an alert that went off that there was a missile inbound to where we were. And we had to mm. get off, you know, I had to get off the phone. I'm like, hey, mom, I'll call you later. I hung up and I went to the bunker, you know, like we get into our mop gear and things. And after that, I wasn't mm. able to go home for days. And her going crazy on the other end (laughs) I haven't heard missile inbound and haven't heard from me from days and that thought to me a lesson about you know the importance of information that's passed from from me to her one another experience is information passed Mm -hmm. from her to me so we had a um an incident that happened with our family my husband has just left to go on deployment it was the day after thanksgiving kind of like in this season where we are now and I woke season. up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and actually, it was probably <laughs> around six years ago. And I woke up in the morning hearing the sound of locust. The locusts are coming. I don't even know what locusts sound like. I have never heard locust in my life. And so I reached out to a friend and I'm like, hey, I heard the sound of locusts. The locusts are coming, but don't be alarmed was, you know, what I got. And um, <laughs> and I'm like, let's pray. You know, I'm like trying to pray all this fire prayer of, you know, locust or whatever, but just couldn't flow because it was really such a strange word. My husband had left for um, deployment that morning and I went to work to drop the kids mm-hmm. off at, at daycare and stuff. And I picked them up, came back home and our home had been robbed. Somebody broke into our house and robbed our house. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is the locust that we're coming 
And so I called the insurance company. I called the cops. I got, you know, things, you know, got things situated. And I'm like, I can't tell my husband because if I tell him right now, he's going to want to come home. And it kind of doesn't work that way. And he will be very helpless mm. knowing that I'm having to deal with this and he's not home. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that also speaks to the importance of community. So I reached out to the community that I had. I reached out to community in church, from church and, and people that were around me to help me restore order. I called the insurance company and all of that. It wasn't until a couple of weeks later that I told him. And I was like, this happened. Only reason I'm really telling you is because the insurance company needed me to provide a list of things that were missing. And I'm just not sure of some of your things that you took. That's hard. Mm. That's heavy. But mm. that can drive someone crazy on the other end when they're feeling helpless. Can I imagine? And not being able to react to an information that you passed on to them for the purpose True. of just letting them know. And that's some of the difficulties and challenges of this space. But the most important thing is establishing community. Every time we have to move, I always have the things I have li- lined out before I even know where I'm going to live, our house or whatever. I always find out where is the nearest YMCA. I do that for the kids. I do that so they can connect to, you know, mm. the sport events, uh, sporting activities and things like that. So they get to quickly establish a sense of community. Where is the church we'll be attending? I already know mm. the church we're going to attend before we get there. We're not going to miss a Sunday and get comfortable. <laughs> and not before we know it is a whole year and we haven't attended <laughs> church. <laughs> you know, establish, establish mm. those opportunities to create community even before I get mm. there, even before I know exactly where I am going to live because mm. it can be very lonely. It can get very lonely when you're not connected to community and that puts a strain on your marriage. It puts a strain on your home when you feel like your husband who is supposed to be your guardian and protector has abandoned you. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you clearly, Mercy. I hear you. You know, the, 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 the community life, I don't know how to describe it, honestly, as in, in terms of value, it is, it is immense. And somehow when the enemy, the enemy here, I'm talking about the, yes, the devil wants to like get at you. What he does is to like take community away from you or take you away from community and from what you just said now consciously i look for it i don't wait for it i look for it in a positive sense you know like that church that uh, sporting facility that school that is closer to home and all of that and listening to you who has experienced it firsthand i can i can i mean not be in denial now community is super and we need it all around us you know it's really super now how 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 do you deal with the children because obviously from what you've described into to us here right now daddy is when he's on deployment and all of that away you have to deal with them homework and all of that how do you carry that along with other responsibilities within the military spouse 
uh, certain because I know you're a coach. And I believe you are a coach, not I know you are a coach and you coach people, you train people. So how do you juggle all of this? The grace of God. <laughs> I love I like I like that. I like that. <laughs> it truly is, you know. For suppose say I am what I am by the grace of God, and the grace mm. was not in vain in that I worked the more. By the grace of God, <laughs> exactly. It mm-hmm. truly mm-hmm. is. Um, and one of the things that have helped me once again, I'll go back to that same idea of controlling what you can control and and knowing to let go of what you can't Mm -hmm. control um even with the kids it's prioritizing i (laughs) i grew up without my dad my dad um came to the united states um while my mom was pregnant with me and for schooling and then ultimately he came on a scholarship um, to study aeronautic engineering in St. Louis University and I didn't see my dad or even he really hear his voice for the first time until I was seven um, mm. because it's that long before he was able to get his papers and get things situated to where he could come back home and then after that mm. he would um, we would have to go to like this place in Festac Nitel, the Nitel office to go, you know, make mm, phone calls. To go make then phone calls. Have, yes, we didn't have like cell phones and things like that where, you know, you could just get on a phone and communicate. That was now, pre, 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 prehistoric era. Prehistoric yes. era, don't go there now. <laughs> it is pretty prehistoric. I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit. <laughs> but now the kids have, you know, my children have that opportunity. <laughs> My husband has, you know, the opportunity to do the video chat Mm -hmm. and, you know, the phone calls and the emails. We have more opportunity Mm -hmm. to stay connected even when he is not here so that the absence of their father in their lives is not missed. Mm -hmm. And so learning from my experience of not seeing my dad for the first time until I was seven. And then after that, he would only come home once a year. And then ultimately, before we were able to migrate to the U.S. and complete all of that, I was already a teenager, which really put a strain on our relationship. It put a strain on their marriage where, you know, they've both been growing apart for so long. Right. And Mm. I think in his mind, he couldn't reconcile his idea of growing up with his family to now having a grown-up family. (laughs) It's almost Mm -hmm. like he's adopting his children and Mm -hmm. their marriage suffered for that. And so before I got married, I would always say, I'm not going to marry someone in the military (laughs) because I would never put my kids through, you know, being gone and things like that. And here I am married to someone in the military. (laughs) And so I'm always conscious of... (laughs) (laughs) God is funny I'm always conscious of making sure that (laughs) I'm always conscious of making sure that um, the the relationship between my my children and my husband remain intact even when he comes back from deployment Mm. I'm always cautioning him like listen if you need to correct them at least for a little bit let me be the one to correct them because they will only see, oh, we were looking forward to dad. He came home, we had a day of fun. And then now, and because mm-hmm. that was one of the things that my dad would do. He would come home and then for 
one week or two weeks out of the year and be like, this is wrong, this is wrong, you know, and then he'd leave. And I'm like, sir, I don't even really know you, right? And so I'm always like, be intentional about filling up, you know, this love tank and creating experiences, right? That they will remember you for the good experiences, not that every time you come home, you know, it's this military, you know, shouting person. And so the most important thing for me is bridging that relationship between them and their dad so that it doesn't fall into that crack like, you know, my relationship with my dad um, fell into. And um, when he's not around, Mm. I think one of the things that military kids excel at is this um, sense of independence and this um, need to grow up. And um, I have leverage this as a life experience for them and to help them um, be more responsible and more independent, you know, human beings. So. Amazing. Mercy, I want to say a very big thank you for, for, you know, accepting to do this with me on the show and share some, some of your vulnerable moments with us. I, I mean, it is of immense immense value honestly and i'm grateful for that guys we've been discussing with mercy uh life lessons with mercy i know i know you've gotten if not one if not one something from her from her i mean uh share with us on the show today uh time is not a friend it's like we just started talking but look at (laughs) it's over but before I let her go, I, I want her to share with us uh, where we can catch her, you know, just in case you want to connect with her, you want to reach out to her and all of that. Mercy, can you share with us where we can catch you if we want to? Yes, um, you can reach me mostly on Instagram at when mercy speaks uh, is my handle on Instagram at when mercy speaks on or on LinkedIn, uh, Mercy O'Hariak. And um, I look forward to um, answering any questions or just connecting and chat, chatting with anyone who would like to hear what Mercy has to say when Mercy speaks. <laughs> yeah, when Mercy speaks. I guess I'm going, I'm, I'm going to bring you back on the show and we're yeah. going to do when Mercy speaks. And that, that I'm going to allow you really speak like speak, you know, and uh, get some stuff out there. You know, the truth is we need to hear more people speaking like not negativity now but sharing those positive ideas positive moments with the world you know yes this happened that happened but by his grace this is where i am today by his mercy this is where i am today so can you so the world need to hear more of this you know guys i I wish i could keep her here for you know forever for how to just keep talking and sharing with us those wonderful moments but you know how we do it here on the show uh, i will always bring value to you so the rest assured mercy is going to come back and god is going to show us mercy when she comes Amen. back honestly she will <laughs> all right one one last thing from you to my i mean for my audience one last thing you want to say to my audience I I will say, you know, Jesus says that in this life we will have tribulation and the challenges and events that will happen in in lives are are almost a guarantee. 
And sometimes we think perseverance is like a race, but it is just overcoming many obstacles, many, many obstacles to make big obstacles. And so if I, if I would think of mm-hmm. a phrase, I would say vulnerable flexibility, that in the days that are ahead, in the days that are coming, I mean, we, ha- we are all living in this VUCA world. We must all, you know, strive to have that vulnerable flexibility, the adaptability to transform like the chameleon, the chameleon is able to change its color to its environment mm. without really changing its color. It's like it changes its color to adapt mm. to that particular situation, but its color remains intact. And that's what we have been called on to do mm. in this next season as the world is changing, as the world is grappling with many different um, issues that are coming up that we as believers mm. We retain our true color, but also be able to navigate and to reflect different colors that mirrors or that allows us to thrive and survive in the environments that we find ourselves in by the by the grace and by the power of God. So that's that's my last word. Beautiful. Yes, we live in that time, just like you heard, but we have what it takes to surmount it. Navigate give out you know our color not losing it now but giving it out you know and Mm -hmm. giving it out to that person to that community to that neighbor and all of that guys i am super super grateful mercy thank you so much for this time i i i i want to let you know that this means a lot to me you know as an individual listening to you you know and also i mean my audience listening to you i want to say a very big thank you thank you so much guys time is not a friend even if time is here to help to regulate what we do you know but you know how we say it on the show this is the space where we come to lean on one another's experience to forge a positive path till i come your way again bye for now mercy thank you (laughs) thank you so much awesome time it has been with you on the world cafe podcast today thank you for being there you can catch me up on my social media handles twitter facebook linkedin and instagram all at amakri isoboye also you can get copies of my books a cocktail of words the color of words by hr notebook and hawkers focus on god on amazon and roving heights online bookstores you can also subscribe to my youtube channel at the same address at amakri isoe i love to hear from you and how this podcast has impacted you you can leave me a message at my email address amakri garibaldi at gmail.com that is a-m-a-c-h-r-e-e-g-a-r-i-b-a-l-d-i Yes, till I come your way again. Bye for now.